Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Looking for a newer used vehicle? Browse online at TradeInPaper.com. Cincinnati's free online classifieds. Search inventories from local automobile dealers. List your own vehicles and unwanted items for free and turn them into cash. Go to TradeInPaper.com. This is a special podcast presentation from 700WLW.com. This is Mark Amazon On Demand. Yes, some mail! What the rock is cooking! Good evening, folks. It is the Rocky Boyman Show, 700WLW, and we have a new Supreme Court pick from the Trumpster himself. His name is Neil Gorsuch. He's 49 years old. 10th Circuit Court of Appeals, Columbia educated, Harvard educated. Let me just say this. The dude looks like Captain America. All right. Now, if you if Norman Rockwell were going to paint a picture of what like an if you're going to paint a picture of what like an honest, trustworthy, good hearted man looked like, you would paint a picture of Neil Gorsuch. Okay. now and also let me say this, too. He has great pipes, really good, soothing voice. I always respect someone that has a good strong yet soothing voice probably because i have a terrible voice but nevertheless uh he's the new supreme court choice uh by the trumpster now you're probably asking yourself why is this such a big deal why was every news outlet out there cnn fox news msnbc literally had a a a countdown ticker at the corner of the tv all day like like they're counting down to you know like like voting day right that sort of thing well the answer to that is this people think presidents shape the course of the country, and, and to a large extent they do, but the maximum amount of time they can have that effect is eight years, where a Supreme Court justice is for upwards of 30, maybe even more years. I mean, Neil Gorsuch is 49 years old. He's going to be on the bench for 30 years. So this is a very, very important pick in terms of determining, I guess, what direction the country is going to go, and especially since he is a more conservative-leaning justice. That's going to give more of the conservative justices who are now split four and four that fifth vote over that way. Conservatives all over the country are very, very happy with this pick, I would have to imagine, and the Democrats and liberals are in some sort of frenzied panic. Joining us right now on the program is Dr. Jeff Sakanga. He's a political science professor at Ashland University. He's here via the Ashbrook Center, where he's a fellow there. He's also an expert on such things as Supreme Court picks. Dr. Sakanga, welcome to the program. How are you? Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So so give us uh, your uh, knowledge of, of, of Neil Gorsuch. Tell me what kind of guy this is. Tell the American people what they can expect from Neil Gorsuch. Uh, extremely well qualified, as you were mentioning before, Columbia undergrad, Harvard Law, doctor, uh, doctorate from Oxford University, studied under famous scholars there, came back, uh, spent about 10 years in private practice, then worked for a few years for George W. Bush, got nominated to the Tenth Circuit, I think in 2006, been on there 10 years, um, doing really good work on the bench. So now I've been heard discussed so far that he is an Antonin Scalia 
clone, okay, which which means very conservative, which, as I said earlier, uh, conservative-minded people in this country are very, very happy about. Liberal-minded people are, are not so much. So so what makes him, I, I guess, if I'm thinking back, uh, Doctor, to what I learned in, like, the third grade of what a Supreme Court justice is supposed to do, I remember the teacher, okay, Mrs. Coney, she told me, a Supreme Court justice, they interpret the Constitution, right? It's not, they don't make up laws, they don't legislate, they're supposed to judge and interpret the Constitution. So how is... How do you see his role in, in that sort of in, in that sort of um, you know platform there? Yeah, he's going to be a judge's judge. He's going to decide cases according to the law as it is. He's got that record already on the Tenth Circuit. He's not going to legislate from the bench, and he's going to follow Justice Scalia's example in paying close attention to the text and letter of the law in the Constitution and to how it was originally understood at the time of the founding. Okay, so by that you mean he, he doesn't look at it as a, quote, living document, right? The Sonia Sotomayors of the world and Lena Kagan's, they say, oh, it's a living document and it's meant to just kind of morph and change and basically morph into whatever we happen to feel at this particular moment. You're saying that this guy is going to say, look, the country was founded on these sort of principles and we're going to judge them based on that. You bet. He's going to leave it to the people and their representatives to make the changes that they think need to be changed to the Constitution, and he's not going to be a judge who makes that change for people and thinks he knows better than them. Okay, so so now the, the next thing, Doctor, is is obviously you know the Democrats are going to try to do everything possible to to throw a monkey in this uh, throw a monkey wrench in this entire system, right? They're looking at what happened with uh, Merrick Garland, how the Republicans stalled for basically nine months and didn't appoint him, and they're going to say payback is a you-know-what, right? They're going to try to gum up the system here. So what methods are they going to try to use, Doctor? How are they going to try to make this as miserable as possible in all of us? <laughs> well, first of all, the judge, as he said tonight, is going to go around and meet individually with each of the senators. And I tell you what, I think, as, as you said, He's going to come off really well to each of those senators, and he's going to start building some personal uh, connections with them. It's going to be hard for them to oppose him really, really harshly when it comes to the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is where this starts, and then goes from there to the full Senate. They'll have to do it, but I think he'll pull off some uh, Democratic senators who like the guy and will find that he's really not outside the judicial mainstream. Now, now wait a minute. Now, you're telling me that they're actually going to judge the guy on his qualifications and not party lines? There's no way. No way, Jeff. That <laughs> Really? You think they'll do that? I think a few senators will. And look, some of those are senators who are up for re-election. Ah, now that, now that makes a little more sense. There's what, upwards of, uh, they need what, 10 Democrats. Explain that process, doctor, because I believe yeah. now what they need, they're going to filibuster. And then, so the Republicans would need, uh, I guess, 60 votes to stop the filibuster. They only have 53, so they would need, what, seven Democratic votes to order to push this through. Do, do I have that correct? That's right. They need 60 votes to break the filibuster. They've got 52 Republicans right now. 52. So they need eight votes. There's at least five uh, senators from red states that are Democratic senators that are up for re-election in 2018. Uh, if he makes a good impression on them personally, he can get them and uh, people like Joe Manchin in West yes. Virginia and others. And then he can peel off a few more, I think, um, from purple states, Democrats that are up for your election in 18. And he's not going to give them much to get their hooks into in the hearings to make him look bad and give them 
a reason to vote against him. They're going to look like it's just a partisan vote. That's not going to stop them all, but that'll stop some of them. He'll be confirmed. So, okay, so so you're predicting right now on the show that this is not going to be a long drawn out process. There will be some Democrats that'll that'll come over to the to, you know, and and I guess even whether it's party lines or they just happen to like the guy, they'll come over, and this won't be. Uh, I, I guess how long will, do you think this process is is going to take? When's this guy going to be confirmed, and we can move on with life? Uh, it'll be before the beginning of the summer. So I'll say three months. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Look, Mitch McConnell has said that if, if it starts looking like there might be a filibuster they can't break, they can always, the Republicans invoke the nuclear option, as it's called, and nuke the filibuster for Supreme Court nominations. And that just requires a simple majority vote to change the rules and then a simple majority vote to confirm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain the nuclear option because I don't think I, I know. I certainly don't understand all the ins and outs. Explain what that nuclear option that McConnell could use is. Sure. Right now, the the Senate uh, allows a filibuster by senators. Right. So mm-hmm. to stop a filibuster, you have to have sixty votes. But that's not in the Constitution, and that's not in the laws. That's just in the rules of the Senate. Those rules can be changed simply by a majority vote of the Senate itself. So only 51 senators could vote to change the rules of the Senate to allow a straight-up majority up-or-down vote on a guy like Gorsuch. That's not the way it is right now, but they could change the rules if it looks like the Democrats will be successful in filibuster. I personally don't think it's going to come to that. Really? Now, now why, why would well, is that considered controversial or, or like something that's never been done before if they go with this, quote, nuclear option? Well, the Democrats under Harry Reid uh, used the nuclear option and got rid of the filibuster for all lower court justices, judges, so circuit courts and federal district courts, and for cabinet nominees under President Obama. So they did that, but they reserved the filibuster for the Supreme Court. Now the Republicans could just put the final nail in the filibuster coffin if they really had to and kill it for the Supreme Court nominees, too. But like I said, I don't think Mitch McConnell wants to do that because he respects the institution of the Senate, and the filibuster's been around ever since Mr. Smith went to Washington and before. <laughs> so it's been around a long time. It's a venerated part of the Senate. I don't think he wants to kill it, but I think he will kill it if he has to in order to get this guy through. Very good. Uh, Dr. Jeff Sakanga joining us on the program. He's a political science professor at Ashland uh, U- University. Um, you know they're going to try to ruin this guy's life, right? They're, I mean, that's what they do in politics. They try to go out. They'll find some, you know, in his eighth grade year at such and such middle school, he pushed some girl down the stairs. And, and you, you know what I'm saying, right? They're going to go, they're going to comb through every possible sneaky, lying, dirty, underhanded thing they could possibly do to, to try to smear and ruin this guy's life. Is there anything in your knowledge uh, that they could really try to hone in on and try to make an attack on? You know, you never know, but so he looks pretty squeaky clean so far. What I know about him, he spent his childhood out in Colorado. He had a lot of chances to go places in the world because he was so successful. He returned back to Colorado to raise his family. He's the kind of guy who he actually keeps a horse in the barn at his house out there. So he's kind of an outdoors person. I like a horse. He guy, works yeah. in blue. No, no, and he works in blue collar jobs. He was a front desk clerk at a Howard Johnson Hotel. So the guy knows what it is to work. He was a paper boy as a kid. So you never know what's there, but boy, so far, he looks like a guy who's got a pretty squeaky clean past. Just like, like Captain America, man, just just like I, I saw when I when I first, when the first guy first walked out there. Um, Jeff, so now, 
you know, the big issues obviously everyone looks at are, are the social issues, abortion, uh, guns, uh, gay rights, religion. I mean, how is he going to uh, – let's take abortion, for instance. That's always, that's always a big deal with everybody. How, how, is he, how does he lean on, on, on the, uh, the abortion social issue? Well, he wrote a, he's never ruled directly on an abortion case, so we don't know that. He's never made any public comments about Roe versus Wade, the abortion decision. But he wrote a book back in 2009 about assist, uh, physician-assisted suicide, and he came out pretty strongly against it. And in, in that book, he wrote that um, life has an intrinsic value that should always be respected and protected. So I think if you take that statement and apply it to the abortion case, yeah. I think he's going to lean toward the pro-life position. Okay, that's good. So check that box. What about guns? Doctor, how, how's he going to be on guns, protecting the Second Amendment and, and, and all that? haven't had any big controversial cases out of the circuit court out there, but I will tell you that he's been pro-liberty um, a lot, and I think he includes, he follows Justice Scalia in including the Second Amendment freedoms as part of a person's liberty. So I think he'll probably come down uh, on the side of the Second Amendment as a personal right. I'm not sure where he'll come out on all regulations of it, mm-hmm. um, as we're seeing some of those cases, but he'll stand, stand pretty hard and firm on the idea that it's a person's individual right to own a gun. Okay, check that box. Now, now what about gay rights? I think by now here in 2017, m- most of America... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Including myself is, is, is fine with gay marriage and, and all that. I mean, I, think, no, I, don't, I don't feel like that's even hardly an issue anymore. Is that something he's going to be, uh, is he going to rock the boat on that, or is he going to kind of go with, with everything's okay and fine with that? Well, I, I think he'll follow precedent on that, so he'll abide by what the Supreme Court has already decided. He's been a pretty strong uh, adherent to precedent. He believes in it, that you shouldn't rock the boat if you don't need to. And, um, look, he's just replacing Justice Scalia, so that, that's only replacing the fourth vote. He wouldn't be a fifth vote to overturn the gay marriage decision from a couple of years ago anyways. Right, So right. I think his decisions on that are not going to be that important. What I will say on the gay rights issue is he is, though, a very strong believer in religious liberty and religious freedom. So he sided with Hobby Lobby in their case, right. so they couldn't be forced by Obamacare to provide um, uh, abortion uh, drugs to people on their health care plan. He sided with them. So I think you'll see that he takes religious freedom very seriously. And if gay rights and religious freedom collide, 
it'll be interesting to see how he comes down. So, so just by you saying that, though, Doctor, I feel like I feel coming one of those, do I have to bake a cake for a gay couple sort of issues coming up? Am I going to have to talk about that on the radio, for God's sake? Or is, is this going to be one of those issues that, that they're going to try to drum, them, drum up a, a big uh, hoop rod against? I hate to tell you, but it's coming. No <laughs> doubt about it. I appreciate your honesty. I'll, I'll make sure I get ready for, for the, the, the calls to ring off the hook on that one. Uh, Doc, you've been great with your time. Uh, last question before I let you go. Uh, now, okay, he is, is obviously 49. He's going to be on the bench for a, a good 30 years, as I said, to start the program. Uh, if we're looking at who, who's the next one to maybe uh, leave or who's the next one, you know, does, does Donald Trump maybe get to appoint a second justice? You look down the line. Uh, Lena uh, Kagan is 56. She's not going anywhere. Robert, 62. Nowhere. Alito, 66. Sotomayor, 62. They're going nowhere. Uh, Breyer, 78. Uh, Thomas is 68 years old. He's not going anywhere. Now, Ginsburg is 83. She, I mean, she is falling asleep at, at the Senate committee or at the committee meetings, for God's sake. Do you think she tries to hang on? Do you think the Democrats pump her with steroids and other drugs to try to keep her going, doctor, to make sure she doesn't <laughs> leave another vacancy for another conservative justice on the bench? Well, if they're praying, people, they're praying for her to hang on. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's going to be interesting to see very much. Uh, Dr. Look, we appreciate your time. This has been fantastic information, and we'll talk soon, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. Yep, thank you so much. Uh, this is Dr. Jeff Sakang, a political science professor at Ashland. And, again, he is here via the Ashbrook Center uh, where he's a fellow. I, I got uh, something on my blog about the Ashbrook Center, really a, one of the last uh, beacons out there for, for good conservative way of thinking, good information, good history. Uh, make sure you check that out. Um, so let's do this. We will take a break. Um, we'll come back and we'll maybe get some of your calls if you have any thoughts or concerns or anything on, on the new SCOTUS pick. We'll talk about that. And we'll also discuss here uh, for the next half hour the whole uh, sanctuary city issue. Because I've been hearing a lot. i got to tell you, i got to be honest. I'm hearing a lot of people that are saying, you know what, Cincinnati is becoming a sanctuary city. John Cranley talked about it yesterday. I'm done spending my money in the city. Okay, if me and my wife want to, if I live in the suburbs and I want to go downtown, me and my wife want to get out and have an eat, go see a show, we're not going downtown. This is it. This is the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I want to know if that describes you. Stay right there, 700 WLW. All right, it's 927. Welcome back to the show here. A couple things that stuck out to me about the, our conversation there with Dr. Seganger. First of all, he thinks that this is going to go through pretty smooth. He's going to be confirmed. Democrats are going to come to the side. Now, I, I tend to believe more will come to the side and vote for him that are in the, you know, whatever, seven to ten or some odd states that are, are in states where they're Democrats, but Trump won the state. So they're obviously saying, look, if, if this is the way the state feels, I probably should kind of go the, that way toward Trump's side of the aisle. I, I think that is a very good possibility of happening. Now, the possibility of just Democrats saying, you know what, let's put politics aside. Let's just set them down over there. And I like this guy. I think he's extremely qualified, and I think it's best for the country. So I'm going to vote for this guy. I, I pray to God that happens. I hope that that happens. I hope that there's some sort of example of you know, putting partisanship aside. I, I'm not going to bet any money on it. I'm not going to bet a dollar on it, okay? Let's hope it happens. I think it's I think it's unlikely, but but look, Doctor Schengen knows a lot more than I do, so we shall see. I mean, there's no question the guy is qualified, no question 
that Neil Gorsuch is, is qualified. Columbia, Harvard. I mean, the, I mean, the, when he was in the tenth court, circuit court of appeals, he was unanimously confirmed by the Senate. Okay, and by the way, some of the senators that, that confirmed him were Chuck Schumer and Dianne Feinstein. So. A couple years ago, 10 years ago, a decade or so, they thought this guy was the greatest thing in the world. Now we'll see how they vote. I don't imagine those two will will feel so kindly about him, but but we shall see. So that's that. If you have any thoughts on um, on uh, Justice or uh, yeah, on, uh, Neil Gorsuch, uh, you can call the show. Uh, by, by the way, at 10 o'clock, um, Congressman Steve Shabbat is going to join us on the show. He's going to give his thoughts on the new Supreme Court pick. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to open up the phones. I want to talk about a little bit more about John Cranley declaring Cincinnati a sanctuary city. I'm also going to tell you what my opinion this is all about. And it's not about the poor, innocent children and all this stuff that John Cranley said. I'll tell you about it next. 700 WLW. It's like Trump said. That was so fake. You know, I've been to funerals. Candlelight vigils, you want to see real crying and hurt people. Why don't you show up there? You know, I know a lot of parents who cry every day, including myself. That's all we do is think about our loved ones and to see him crying for terrorists and people who we don't even know who they are. When he has Americans here, that he gives us no support. You know, I could care less about Chuck Schumer. So that was the father of a, um, a man who was killed by an illegal immigrant uh, in a sanctuary city who was not deported. So you can see how he feels about that. So obviously everyone here in Cincinnati is all up in arms about Cranley's announcement yesterday of Cincinnati will be a sanctuary city. By the way, I've declared myself a sanctuary person. Okay, if it, you know, but so by that I can choose. You know, in this case, I choose not to uh, comply with tax laws, right? I mean, that's what it is, right? If you're a sanctuary city, you can choose what laws you want to abide by, what federal laws you like, which ones you don't. No, I don't really like that whole, you know, immigration and have to report illegal. So I'll just not pay attention to that one. So I, I choose to not. I choose to ignore the, the tax laws. How do you think that's going to work out for me? Um, so here, here's the deal. Here's a big question. Everyone's been talking about it today. A lot of people are fired up. Are you going to boycott the city of Cincinnati? Are you going to take your business elsewhere? Are you going to, if you and your wife want to go out for an evening where you normally would go downtown, um, are you now going to go to somewhere else in, in, in the suburbs? Basically, stay away and protest because you know that here's the situation. The, the demographics of the city have changed. So you're you're not going to... I don't, I don't see how you're going to vote Cincinnati out of a sanctuary city, okay? And I'm going to get back to the election here in a second, but you're not going to vote it out of it, and you're not going to go and protest the way that the liberals have been protesting and lying in the streets and blocking traffic. You're not going to do that because, well, you got a job, and you got to go to it, and you don't have time to lie around all day and, and protest and get funded by George Soros. You, you don't have the time for that. So so what do you do? So a lot of people I've talked to said, look, I'm just I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to go downtown. I somehow need my voice to be heard. We heard from a lot of people last night. So does that describe you? Now, by the way, let's go ahead, uh, Brad, real quick, if you can. This was John Cranley on earlier with the Willie. He was talking about the reason why he wanted to make Cincinnati a sanctuary city. What motivated me, Bill, was the plight of a half a million Syrians uh, who have been massacred over the last several years from the Syrian civil war. And we've all seen pictures of uh, four- and five-year-olds washed up on the beaches of the Mediterranean Sea, and it's just – it pulls at your heartstrings. And it, the fact of the matter is that this is a refugee crisis that's worldwide. 
Uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I were in Jordan, and uh, we went with a Christian mission uh, to a Syrian refugee camp on the Syria-Jordan border, and it really is heartbreaking. And I strongly oppose the indefinite ban on the Syrian refugees that the president signed on Friday. And I felt that making a public moral stand uh, in in solidarity with the refugees was an important thing to do as an American. So the, the heartstrings were getting tugged on. And, and look, and, and in all honesty and all fairness, we've all seen the pictures of, of, of the kids that we've seen the picture of the kid sitting in the seat with the dust all over him there in Aleppo. And it, it is very, very tough thing. So I'm not denying that. But I, I if I look into this a little more, I, I think there's a little more than just where John Cranley's heart lies in this. No, you all thought it was about this. I think it's more about the vote. I think it's more about here. Here's the situation. He is looking at the upcoming mayoral election, right? That's coming up here this year. And so far in that election, it's himself, Yvette Simpson, Charlie Winburn, and uh, Richardson. Who's uh, so of those four people, right? I mean, and, and let's face it. I mean, John Cranley, great guy, but he, like any politician, he won, he, his, he makes moves to make sure he gets elected. I would love to know if. If the city was more demographically wavered away from wanting sanctuary cities, would he pass this law? Would it still be out of the kindness of his heart and politics be damned? I'm doing exactly what I think is right in this situation, not what is politically right. I don't know, but I'm asking that question. So in my opinion, I think he's looking at it like this. He's saying, look, the Richardson guy, first net, first year candidate, no name recognition, doesn't have a chance. Boom, he's gone. So that leaves Yvette Simpson and Charlie Winburn. Charlie Winburn, African-American Republican, he'll get some of the African-American votes, but seemingly, or be, and basically because Cincinnati and Hamilton County is sways more liberal, right? I mean, what, Hamilton County had, what, 40,000 more votes, 50,000 more votes for Clinton than they did Trump? So that's a pretty significant, that was one of like the three or four counties in Ohio that went Clinton. So he's looking at that saying, so, okay, so Charlie Winburn, he, he's a Republican. He, he's, he's out of the picture. No way he went. So now it's between me and Yvette Simpson. Now, Yvette Simpson leans very, very left. She's very, very liberal. So in my opinion, this is just my, which is just one man's opinion, I think he's looking at saying, well, how can I gain more favorable favor with the more extreme left-leaning Democrats that are now making up the majority of the city? Boom, sanctuary cities, everyone loves it. Everyone's come out of the woodwork saying this is just the greatest thing in the world. That's just my opinion. And you, you can disagree if you want, but I, I, I think that at least is somewhat of a major factor in his decision to do that. Because he, I mean, he's a politician. That's, you know, they, they, they want to know. They, it's all about self-preservation and moving on to the next thing. I, I can't imagine that if this was the demographic of the city was leading the other way. Let's, let's say Cincinnati in the last election voted big time toward Trump. Do you think he would come out now? Do you think he would come out yesterday and declare Cincinnati a sanctuary city if the city had voted overwhelmingly favorable to Trump? Absolutely not is the answer to that question. So now we get to the whole situation of what do we, okay, you know, we, we, you know, we got to let more people in. We got to let more immigration in. We, we're sanctuary city. We want to be hospitable to illegals. Now, the, the deal with this is, is what people don't know, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, is the United States is the most immigration-friendly country in the world, period, end of story. The statistics will tell you that. The U.S. accepts one million. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Billion immigrants a year on average. This is going back about six, eight years combined. About a million immigrants a year. And that's legally. If you add in the illegal one, I, who knows? Who knows exactly where it is? But a million immigrants a year. Number one in the world, Germany, 468,000 is number two. United Kingdom is 291,000 at number three. So overwhelmingly, those, the next two or three combined, don't equal the million that America lets in. And so in my opinion, pretty generous, right? That also, the United States also resettles fifty to 70,000 refugees a year. That's pretty good. And that's, that's, that's number one in, let's say, first world countries. Now, there's other you know, third world countries that take in more refugees a year. But in terms of first world countries, that is the most that any, you know, that any country lets in. So a million immigrants and 50 to 70,000 refugees a year. So the question becomes, are, are we not doing our fair share? Are we not doing enough? How much is enough? Is, is it, does it have to be 2 million? A million isn't good enough. Does it have to be a million and a half, 2 million, 3 million? How much is enough? Okay, now let's take that in consideration. Let's look at just refugees. Now, according to the Washington Examiner, I pulled this up, and they did a report from the, um, a group called the Negative Population Growth uh, Incorporated. They did a, a study on this. And they declared that feds, the feds spend nearly $20,000 on every single refugee that settles. Every refugee, boom, $20,000 to resettle them and get them into America and make sure they're accommodated for so if you take 50,000 refugees, which is what Trump the other day ruled is acceptable and he's going to allow in, 50,000 refugees at $20,000 a pop, that's a billion dollars on refugees. Okay, and here's where I have, there's always been my stance on this. That billion dollars, could not part of that billion dollars that's used to resettle people from other countries that we A, don't know who they are, and B, are not going to easily assimilate into American culture, couldn't fractions of that billion dollars be spent on rebuilding Detroit or even more so Avondale, Bond Hill, Lower Price Hill, okay? Even if it was half that, even a fraction of that billion dollars, me, I, I'm, a, I'm a team guy first, right? Maybe it's just my, my life and my former life in, in, in sports and all that. I'm all about my team, right? I want everybody to, to be great and everyone to do their best, but damn it, I want my team to win first. And I want Americans to win first. And knowing that we have a limited amount of resources, we have, we have a lot of resources in this country, but they're not unlimited. Okay, they're not just omnipresent where they're just, there's so many of them, we can just give them out to everybody. So knowing that, I would personally like to see them spent on people 
in this in this case, in Cincinnati, Avondale, Bond Hill, you, you get what I'm talking about. Help rebuild some of the buildings, rebuild infrastructure. Um, you know, help bring do some things to help bring jobs back so the people that are living here in Cincinnati that need help get the first priority. How does that not make sense to anybody? But instead, in my opinion, they're prioritizing illegal immigrants. Nothing against them. But again, not not from around here, not going to easily assimilate. And with the fact that they, they cost $20,000 a year, and by the way, that is also, that's not including, 47% of refugee households receive cash assistance. 74% of refugees are on food stamps. 56% are on Medicaid. 22% receiving housing assistance. That's in addition to the $20,000 uh, that each one costs to resettle. So it does not make more sense to help out your team first. That's my opinion. 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE. Let's go to the phones here now because they're starting to light up. Let's go to Ted on a cell. Ted, you're on the big one. Fire away, please. Uh, Rocket, you're 100% correct. Cranley's doing it for political move. Uh, second, I'm not going down to Cincinnati. And uh, third, the liberals want to take care of the refugees more than our veterans. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. I've never have you, have you, Ted, when's the last time you saw a, a liberal group uh, protesting, marching with the signs and the whole deal that our veterans are not getting the proper care and the proper treatment. And the VA hospital is a disaster. When's the last time Never. you saw that protest? Never is the answer. You win the hey, prize. Here's something for you, Rocky. If you remember, uh, towards the end, Clinton asked Trump, uh, "If you if you lose, are you going to concede?" He didn't say nothing. And look at her; she lost. And look at these liberals are doing. They're a bunch of crybabies. Oh, no, they are. They, they, they are. But, but Ted, as I said last night, this is just my opinion, and a lot of people disagree with me. That's doing nothing but, but helping the conservative side, helping the Trump side, because in my opinion, there's a lot of people in this country that are kind of down the middle of the road. Maybe they don't love Trump. Maybe they're still a little scared of him. Maybe they don't really know. But they're looking at the, all those protesters and how those people are acting. They're saying, you know what? If I'm going to associate myself with someone or somebody here, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to associate with them that are crying and burning and, oh, yeah. and protesting every damn thing in the world. I mean, everything. There's not one issue since Donald Trump, even before he got elected, that they haven't protested. They, 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 they're going to protest if they haven't already started. They're going to protest uh, Neil Gorsuch, the, the, the SCOTUS pick. I guarantee they've already started. He wants to help people. And by the way, uh, Hamilton County voted for uh, Clinton, but all the suburbs were way more for Trump than the city. No, absolutely, absolutely. No, I mean Hamilton County itself did go to Clinton. Now all the other right. what, 80, you know, 79 some odd counties in Ohio uh, did go three. did go Trump. She won four counties in the whole state. Right, of Ohio, but but Ted, let me ask you this: If Hamilton County had gone uh, to Trump, especially in a very convincing way, do you think John Cranley would have passed Cincinnati as a sanctuary city? <laughs> Answer. <laughs> Better chance to be in my backyard than him doing that. Amen. <laughs> Ted, th- thanks very much for the call. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. Back with more 700 WLW. It's going to be interesting to see what um, what happens. Now, Cranley said, PJ, PG Sittenfeld said last night that uh, the federal government cannot withhold funding, uh, cannot withhold federal funds, which is what Donald Trump has threatened to do. He said they can't, they can't do it. Now, from what I have gathered through my research today, there's something what what they know for sure they can go after. If they go after just federal funding, it's going to get caught up in litigation and going to be tough. But ultimately, they'll probably be successful, but it'll get drug out. But what they can go after, from what I've learned, are, are grants. There's something called a SCAP grant, S C A A P, 
uh, which stands for uh, State Criminal Alien Assistance Program. Now, that grant money, okay, uh, this was uh, Laurie Robinson, former Assistant Attorney General under President Clinton and Obama, who headed the Office of Justice Programs, which oversees grants, said the statute of implementing SCAP gives an attorney, in this case would be Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, broad power to decide who gets the money. So look for that, the SCAP, uh, SCAP funds, SCAP, SCAP, S-C-A-A-P, something they could go after. Let's quickly take a call here. Let's go to uh, Dayton and talk to Steve. Steve, you're on the big one. Fire away, please. Hey, how you doing tonight? Good. I, I, I'm just curious, curious to what the cities around Cincinnati are uh, conjuring up for the, uh, uh, to, you know, the, uh, whether they want the Syrians brought into their city. Because our, 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 my here in Dayton, my mayor in Dayton, my, not my mayor, but she's our mayor. She's uh, she's asking for twenty to fifty thousand. As quick as she can get them. What has Dayton ruled, or have they declared they want to be a sanctuary city too? Has she done that? Do you know? I'm sure she would. I don't know if she has or has or is or has or not has not. But I know she's asking. She's bringing the bring some refugees, bring as many as she can. Now, get. now let she me ask you that: do, do you think your mayor? Do you think she she wants to bring in X amount of thousand of Syrian and Somalian refugees because of the kindness of, all, of her heart, or because of the vote? Uh, in her case, I think it's a. Uh, Fifty-fifty, probably, or probably sixty-forty. Oh. Uh, the vote would probably went out there. She, I, I don't like her though. I can't stand her. I mean, she she uh, she makes me sick. But yeah, uh, yeah it just it's just that the way. I, just, I was just wanted to see what the other cities around, like Port Wayne and Indianapolis, what the other other big cities around this Midwest are doing. I I, I know. I, I don't think Indianapolis has. I don't know of any you know any city in in Kentucky or Indiana that has. Steve, we got to run, but thanks for the call. But I mean, who knows to see if this is going to be a, a deal where now a lot of cities are going to start to do this, but I, I just think the timing is very, very odd for John Cranley to do this. He knows he's running for mayor. He knows he's got a very liberal Democrat-leaning city here. He knows that his major competition is Yvette Simpson in the election, who's very liberal. So he's got to say, how can I go tap into that? that li- how can I cut a few slivers off of her pie there? I, I, that's, that's what I think is, is happening with that. What I think Cranley and what we should do, I think he should institute – a, a refugee adoption program, right? That's where people who, if they, if everyone thinks it's such a good idea, adopt a Somalian refugee family, okay, for 10 years, okay, and you pay all the funds, you pay the freight. If you think it's such a good idea, then, you know, put your money where your mouth is. I'll respect that. I don't think anyone's going to sign up to do that anytime soon, though. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Representative Steve Shabba. He's going to weigh in on the SCOTUS pick and also on Sanctuary Cities. Stay right here, 700 WLW. Looking for a newer used vehicle? Browse online at tradeandpaper.com. Cincinnati's free online classifieds. Search inventories from local automobile dealers, list your own vehicles and unwanted items for free, and turn them into cash. Go to tradeandpaper.com. Yes, All right, hour number two, the Rocky Boyman Show, 700 WLW. We have a new Supreme Court justice nomination, Neil Gorsuch. The Trumpster came out at 8 o'clock and uh, said that was the pick. Now, so he announced that at 8 o'clock. At precisely 8.32, I got an alert on my phone that um, Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown said he will vote no. So he gave it a whole 32 minutes 
to think about his decision on boy is he gonna you know weigh the options let's really dig into this guy's character let's let's look back at some past court cases let's talk to a few people and, and see let, let's see what this Neil Gorsuch is all about let's see if he is truly a great Supreme Court justice for America because well you know that's what we're all here for right is America Nope, took him about 32 minutes, probably a lot less than that because it took all that time to get through the media outlets and then become an alert on my phone. Let's see if our next guest uh, is going to vote no or not, and that is Representative Steve Shabbat. Steve, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm great, Rocky. How about yourself? Very good. So uh, just give me your thoughts on on Neil Gorsuch and what what kind of pick do you think this is for the country? I think it's a superb pick. I think it's uh, using a baseball analogy. I think it's a, a home run. Um, he's principled. He's conservative. Uh, he's got uh, impeccable credentials. He's really earned the respect of his peers, really, and that's throughout his career. Um, you know, some of these judges uh, are activist judges who think mm-hmm. that they know what the Constitution means, and it's a living document, and you can change it all the time. Um, I think that's the wrong way. I don't think that's what our founders uh, intended. Uh, he's a judge that I think will look at the original meaning of the Constitution, what was meant by it, and interpret the laws, not make the laws, not legislate from the bench. Um, and he rejects judicial activism. Uh, I, we think he's pro-life, which to me is very important, although they don't really have a litmus test where, you know, they say, are you this way? They look at past decisions and maybe articles they've written, and uh, we, we're pretty confident he's, he's pro-life. Uh, you know, there's a whole range of reasons. I'm I'm really excited by this pick. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Congressman, uh, our last guest told us that while there's no real past record on uh, on abortion or pro life for him, he, d- he did, I guess, rule on a he ruled against uh, assisted suicide, which you would, I guess, kind of lead you to believe that he values the, you know the sanctity of life and this and that, and would probably you know judge on the side of of, of pro life. W- would that be your opinion as well? Yes, it would be rocky, and and there was also a uh, there was a Utah uh, case uh, where he with he uh, uh, upheld uh, that state's decision. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. To defund Planned Parenthood. Um, That's a pretty good sign that he's probably... Uh, you know, for life. Um, I, on the Hobby Lobby case, there, you could argue there's maybe a connection there. Uh, in the Little Sisters of the Poor case, uh, Little Sisters of mm-hmm. Poor cases were two of them where, um, Obamacare, uh, they, they were trying to make businesses, uh, pay for contraceptives and in some cases, uh, abortions. Uh, even if you were the owner of a little, a little business or a company and 
and you were opposed to it. They were saying you had to use your money to pay for other people uh, who you may not agree with that point of view. And, and so it violates your religious liberty. And, and he ruled on the face, uh, on the side of uh, upholding religious liberty. And, and so that's a good sign. So th- there's a lot of good indications, although you never know. I mean, uh, you know, there have been picks in the past um, that have turned out, shall we say, less than stellar. I don't think this is going to be uh, one of those Justice Studer, or Justice Studer comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the first President Bush, he appointed him. Everybody thought he was pretty conservative. He turned out to be uh, real liberal. Um, President Kennedy appointed Byron White, and they thought he was liberal, and he turned out to be very conservative. Right. And this this judge, by the way, uh, Judge Neil Gorsuch, uh, Trump's pick, uh, he he clerked for Judge uh, Byron White as well as uh, Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy. So. Um, I think it's a great pick. I'm, I'm really pleased. Congressman, now, of course, come the politics side. Um, you know, the, the, the Democrats basically, for, from what I'm hearing, they're saying, look, Merrick Garland, which was Obama's pick, he was held out, and, and McConnell and all the Republicans basically punted that decision and held out in the fact that Trump was going to get in. So they didn't let him. So now it's payback time, right? They're going to go out. They're going to make this living hell to try to get Neil Gorsuch a point. How do you see this going, Congressman? Do you think this is going to kind of fly through the ranks here, and, and he's going to be uh, appointed, no problem, or are they going to gum the system up for a long time here? Well, I think he'll go through. Um, I do think uh, quite a few of the Democrats in the Senate and a lot of their activist space is going to try to make this as ugly as possible. They'll claim uh, that you know he's a racist, he's a homophobe, he's a this phobe and that phobe and every phobe you've ever heard. Although there's generally no basis for any of that, they'll probably no, end up. No, they, they, they don't the care. They, they don't need any basis. They just need no. a. They need a, a fifteen, a thirty second uh, ad on TV, and, and that's it. You know, he hates yeah, kids right. and so, hates minorities, and that that's all they need to say. Yes, yeah, so there are going to be all kinds of allegations. Uh, probably none of them are going to have any merit, but they'll make them, and they'll use, as you indicated, Rocky, the case of uh, uh, Merrick Garland, who uh, Obama appointed. And they'll say, oh, well, you held him up, so we're going to hold this guy up. It was entirely different. There hasn't, in the last 80 years, we haven't had a president who, in his last year in office, where there's been a vacancy, right. appoint somebody and then have him uh, uh, you know, go through the Senate and be affirmed. That, that just doesn't happen. It didn't happen in this case either. They should not use that as a precedent. But I can guarantee you they will. They'll say, well, yeah, it's good for the goose, good for the gander. The Republicans did it, so now we're going to do it. But, and, and yeah. But, Congressman, you've been in politics, obviously, a long, long time. What, what is that? Is, is that – do the Democrats – do they want to – I guess what I'm asking is this: Are, by doing that, by you know stopping up everything and making sure this guy doesn't go through and, and not caving, is what they're doing? Are they trying to placate their their base, their, the people that voted for them, because the, their base is going to say you better fight tooth and nail? When really it's a bunch of BS. It's not going to really do anything. Is that why they're trying to do this? Well, I guess what's the point? If it's ulti- if guys ultimately going to be appointed. What's the point of all this nonsense in, in stopping the, the country from, from, from progressing here? Well, they would argue they're, they're doing their job. Um, you can't necessarily get into somebody's head and find out what their motivation is. They, they, but clearly, let's face it, yes, they are trying to appeal to their base. And there's a whole lot of folks out there that, that think very differently than what I've espoused over the last few minutes. You know, they think uh, that they want a liberal on there, and they do think that Republicans unfairly held up 
Merrick Garland, and, and there's a whole range of reasons. You know, we're a divided country right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so ultimately, after all the uh, the the fire and brimstone is is gone. Ultimately, it, the question is: Is this guy going to be confirmed? Is he going to end up on the Supreme Court or not? And I'd say it's a ninety nine and ninety nine one hundredth percent chance that yes, he is going to be on the Supreme Court. And we're all going to be, I think, most people ultimately, even even liberals, after they see how effective he is, uh, I think they're going to be happy. Congressman Steve Sabat joining us on the program. Uh, Congressman, you've been uh, you've been in Washington since what nineteen ninety five? Is that correct? Yeah, well, uh, that's right. I was elected in ninety four and then uh, sworn in in ninety five. Okay, yeah. G- give our listeners j- just some sort of sense of, of b- having been there for 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 a long time of the of how Washington operates now compared to when you first got in. I, I feel like there's a little more. Reaching across the aisle, there's a little more. There wasn't a lot of the, this gamesmanship and showmanship, and you know they got to do this and then that and the tweets and the Twitter and the. Give us an indication of how things maybe were in '95 versus where they are here in 2017. Well, I, I think the people that serve here in in Congress and in the House and the Senate are pretty similar, to be honest with you. And both sides were were pretty dug in on where they were at. But the new phenomenon, of course, is social media and 24-hour news cycle and everything that happens, everybody can get whipped up into a fear almost instantaneously. Um, and so it appears that everything is more chaotic and more partisan, when in reality, um, I think it's pretty similar. And I think you could almost go back uh, to the times of, you know, um, John Adams versus yeah, they, they, they were they were fist fighting in, in the in the Capitol back then. When's the last time you've been? In a, when's the last time you were in a, in a fist fight uh, there in session? Has that happened yet? Uh, not in Congress. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I, I generally failed to let's debate things rather than be physical about right. it. I, I left my physical times as you did, Rocky, on the football field. Yeah. Although you went much further than I ever did, and God bless you for oh, it. Because you, you made us all proud. Uh, you know, being such a great athlete yourself, Rock. Oh, so. well, I appreciate that, Steve. I well, wanted to uh, move on and ask you about uh, the big announcement that that congressman has ever won here in Cincinnati, all bent out of shape, and that was John Cranley, Mayor John Cranley's announcement that Cincinnati is to become a sanctuary city. G- give us your thoughts and your perspective on that. Well, Rocky, to tell you the truth, I think it's just plain stupid. Um, I think it's a terrible decision. Um, and essentially what, what they're doing, uh, they're defying federal law, and in doing that, they're jeopardizing millions and millions and millions of federal dollars that come to Cincinnati uh, to do things like, you know, improve our highway system, mm-hmm. our bridges. We've been bridge. fighting yep. for mm-hmm. years now, and I think we're getting closer finally uh, to getting funding uh, for the Brent Spence Bridge. We now have a a pot of money that's available in the transportation bill we passed it last time. Uh, the Western Hills Viaduct, they're trying to, to get that rebuilt. We've got police and firefighters that would get federal money for their uh, their bulletproof vests and, and cameras uh, in high-crime neighborhoods so that you can try to keep crime. There's a whole range of federal money. We have firefighter money that we get for training, and even, even some of the firefighters themselves. They are putting all those things in jeopardy. Um, and, and it's, it's like, you know, it's just, it, it makes absolutely no sense. When Obama was in the White House, you know, maybe because Obama was kind of sympathetic to that point of view, even though I certainly didn't agree with it, but 
with Donald Trump now in the White House, within 10 days to announce that you're going to become a sanctuary city? Rocky, there are, I've talked to quite a few members of Congress and some of them Democrats, and they'll tell you some of the sanctuary cities around the country right now are trying to Unsanctuary city themselves because they know what hot water they're in. Right, because the people are moving time. out. They, they they don't want to be around all the the crime and the fact that a sanctuary city is no, is nothing more than a billboard saying, "Hey, if you're an illegal immigrant criminal, come here. We won't prosecute you. We won't yeah. turn you in." So it's like so yeah, the the the, the honest, God fearing people that that live there and spend money there are saying, "To hell with this. I'm going. I'm taking my house and my money somewhere else." Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a terrible mistake, and I think they're jeopardizing, uh, you know, significant federal dollars. There's no way to know how sure this is going to how this is going to play out for sure. I hope they reconsider this um, because I think it's a it's a terrible mistake, you know, for the taxpayers too. Because if they still want to have decent roads and they want to pay for these things that the federal government is helping out with right now, and that gets cut off. That means the local taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill, or they're going to have to reduce the services that they give the citizens. Right. So and, and, why now, put could, yourself in that dilemma? Right, Congressman. Last question before I let you go. Uh, now, according to John Cranley, and I had PG Sittenfield, uh, Councilman uh, PG Sittenfield, on my show last night. He said, and, and Cranley echoed this, that there's no way that Trump can can take away federal funding. It's illegal. The court system won't allow it. Well, what's your perspective on that? I mean, are, are they are they bluffing here, or can through the legal channels Trump absolutely say I am pulling some of this federal money from you? Well, I'm I'm glad that they're confident of that, and I'm certainly not, and I certainly wouldn't jeopardize. I'm uh, betting on the, the Trumpster. I'm the betting on the Trumpster not not rolling over. That's that's where my money is. Go yeah, ahead. I'm he's sorry. going to roll over. I mean, he'll fight with actresses and athletes and the Pope. You think he's not going right. to try to cut off Cincinnati's money? Uh, you know. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Well, Congressman, look, we we really appreciate your time and your perspective on this. And uh, best of luck. You're a great American. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you, Rocky. You're a great American too. Thank you so much, uh, Congressman Steve Shabit, joining us on the show. Um, let's do this. Let's take a little pause here, and we got some calls on the line here that want to discuss uh, sanctuary cities. We'll continue this and much, much more. Stay right here, 700 WLW. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming out. To, is the sound working? Is this thing on? Got it. The sound working? <laughs> I can hear you. Can you hear us? <laughs> what? Is the sound working? Is the sound working, Brad? I don't know. What? This is Nancy Good Pelosi, evening, by the way. I'm very proud. She's, she's uh, pro. I mean, grandstanding. I mean, protesting. I mean, speaking her mind. Keep it going. Proud to stand with the members of the House Democratic Caucus, soon to be joined by the Senate Democrats as well. Not on. <laughs> <laughs> is this thing on? All right, turn it off. I can't, I can't take anymore. That was hilarious. By the way, yeah, so I, by the way, I have that whole video on my blog. So she was trying to give one of these big electrifying speeches that was, you know, of course, just all about her, 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 and grandstanding and all this and showing she's not taking anything sitting down. <laughs> Couldn't get them, she didn't know if the microphone was working or not. Very funny stuff. The video is on my blog. If you want to check it out, sanctuary cities, what you going to do? Are you going to continue? You're going to say, ah, OK, fine, no, whatever. I don't like it, but what do I care? 
I'm just going to keep going downtown, spending my money, and you know, no, no big deal. Or are you going to say, like I had a lot of people call last night and say, you know what, that's it. I may not be able to vote in the city, but I'm not going to spend my money down there. I'm not going to spend my time down there. You, you know, People are th- saying, i got to do something. People don't have the time uh, or the energy to protest because they got to go to work, right? They're, they're, a lot of people on the left, they're funded by the Soroses of the world, so they don't have to go out and, and actually have a job. So the people that have to take care of their family and put food on the table, they don't have the time to go and protest and stand outside of Cranley's office and yell, you know, hell no, we won't go, and all that deal. But a lot of folks are saying, this is a conversation I heard from a lot of people I talked to today. You know what? That's it. I'm not spending any more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Money down there. At some point, my voice has to be heard. What say you? Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Larry in Delhi. Larry, fire away, please. Every time you ask a Democrat what a sanctuary city is, like they did Cranley, they give you every answer, every answer but the right one. When, when Cunningham asked him what, what it was, he started going off about the half a million refugees being killed over in, in uh, Syria. And, and then he says, well, the police are going to go after people that shoot nine-year-old girls, and we're not going to have police raiding people to see what their, what their, their status is. You know, that, that has not, both those answers are wrong. I mean, sanctuary cities are illegals that commit crimes, and then they're released, and they, and they don't notify the government that these people are... are right, they, they commit a crime, they go to jail, they're released, but then the police can't notify ICE yeah. that, that they're deporting these people, which is why, you know, the, the big story was, was, or the big example was Kate Steinle. This guy had been, had been done time for felonies like five times and was never reported, Kept going back down the streets, kept going back to San Francisco because he knew no one was going to turn him in. Boom, Kate Steinle is dead. But no, they're going to shadow that under, oh, we got to care and we, we got to, you know, love everybody and we're all accepting to everybody when it has nothing to do with it. The fact of the matter is, these refugees, they cost a lot of money. I said earlier, $20,000 per refugee. That doesn't take into consideration the Medicaid and the food stamps and all the other assistance they need. Yeah. Plus the fact that we don't have any background on them. We don't know where they're from. We don't know where they went to high school. We don't know who they hung out with, who they're married to, who they weren't married to. We know nothing about them. So, yeah, come on in and just live here. And we all have to abide by the law, but you don't have to abide by the law. Does that make any sense to you at all? Uh, no. And I got another comment about Chuck Schumer. He's crying at the podium, you know. Where was he crying when Assad was killing his own people after the red line, after he stepped the red line? Where was the cry? Why wasn't he in front of a microphone crying for them people that were dying over there? Why did he wait until all the refugees can't come over here? You know why? Because, you know, Obama was the, was the president, and now we got a chance to, to nail Trump. Well, well Larry, you, you're exactly right, but you know as well as I do, Schumer in 2015 himself said, he declared this, you know what, we, not, we might need a pause in Syrian refugee the program. That may be necessary. 
That's what he said. He wanted a pause on the Syrian refugee program. That was in 2015 when Obama was in. But now that Trump's in, yeah. all, all that's out the window, and I forget about that. What, what, what has changed in two years other than the fact Donald Trump is in, and he's got a grandstand, he's got to show his base that he's all against this, and, and, and have the, 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 big, the big sloppy crocodile tears coming down his face? What's well, the he, difference? He's, asked, he, he's, he's messing with the wrong person right now. Trump is not going to take any cuff no. off of anybody. And if they don't like it, they better get used to it. No, you're absolutely right. Larry, we got to run, but thanks very much for the call. That, that's the thing. Trump, I don't think Trump is going gonna, is gonna to roll over on this. He's going to find a way. And I said earlier that the SCAP funds are what they're going to be able to go after. The other things, the other, some of the other federal dollars, they may be able to tie up in court and this and that. But either way, now I heard this today on the news, that a lot of the sanctuary cities, all the, the Brainiacs, the, the, the Brainiac leaders of the sanctuary cities are, are saying, you know what? Screw you. We don't need your federal money. You can keep your federal money. We're going to steal and take care and and show the world that we accommodate everything and la-da-la-la, rose petals and kittens, right? Okay, fine. If you you think that's a worthy strategy, go ahead and do it. Deny the federal money, but then I want every one of them to sign a document that says we will not raise taxes. I will not raise your property taxes within, let's say, three years. Because you know as well as I do, politicians do one thing very well, all of them. That's they spend money. They find ways to spend money. And if the budget all of a sudden is, is a certain amount of money, it, like say the city of San Francisco is $10 billion, and a billion of that is federal money, okay? If all of a sudden a billion dollars is not there, how long are they going to be able to go without that federal money? How long are they going to be able to put their foot in the ground and puff their chest out and say, we don't need your federal money before they realize they have to have that money, and if they're not going to take it from the federal government, they're going to do what? Raise your property taxes. I wonder if it's going to happen down in Cincinnati. I wonder if that's going to be interesting to watch. Is Cranley going to tell Trump, you know what, go ahead, screw you, take it and shove it, and then you know what's coming next, in my opinion. There's only one way to do it. There's only one way to do it when all of a sudden there's a, a and I believe P.G. Sittenfeld yesterday said it was about $10 million. That's not a a ton of money, but it's not a little amount of money either. You can do a lot of stuff with $10 million. You can also have a lot of struggles without that $10 million. We shall see. All right, stay on the lines. We're going to take your call, 700-WLW. All right, it's 1034 here on the big one, the Rocky Boyman Show, 700-WLW. A couple people weighing in on uh, Twitter. We have uh, B Crew says, uh, political suicide if the Dems filibuster him, hope they do. Well, I mean... It's just going to continue to cause more angst in people on the right. It's, it's going to create lots of problems. I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to, it's certainly not going to help matters, but I don't know if it's probably help, if you're, if you're more of a conservative-minded person, probably help gain more traction on, on that end. Uh, also on Twitter, Daniel Aaron asks a question, will us being a sanctuary city negatively impact the Reds and Bengals? Now, that's an interesting question. I, I guess it all comes down to, are people going to or do people have enough of it? And again, I've been hearing this the last 48 hours or so. People are saying, look, I, I don't live in the city, but, you know, I like to take my kids downtown and we we go to the restaurants, we spend money, we go to the, the games and and all that. But now it's a sanctuary city. I, I, I can't vote in the city. Even if I did, the demographics aren't there to be able to change anything. I can't protest because I don't have time to do that. But what I can do is vote with my wallet. And I'm going to take my, my wallet is now going to go somewhere else for entertainment. So, yeah, I mean, technically, if enough people do that and they say, I'm just, I've, I've had enough, uh, this clearly is a policy that is, is way, way out of line. 
not going to go to I'm not going to go to Reds games. I'm not going to go as many Reds games. I'm not going to go to the, the the Bengals games. The other thing that could, that's going to happen is if and, and let's, let's all hope this doesn't happen. But let's say this goes forward. Cincinnati is declared a sanctuary city. Okay, and now there's something to the uh, in the same uh, era, or same aura of the uh, of the Kate Steinle situation in, in in San Francisco happens, where an illegal immigrant uh, either causes or there has a felony or let's say you know uh, murders someone, something to that effect. The, that will be an absolute political nightmare. That'll that'll ruin the whole deal. You want to talk about some some not only just being a tragedy, but in terms of like big time negative publicity on that. You know, something to that effect, some sort of big crime. Somebody gets in a fight down there, and there's there's a trouble. Basically, people are looking and saying, "I don't feel as safe down there." The fact that us being now advertised as a sanctuary city is is basically a big billboard for more illegal immigrant criminals to come and harbor themselves here. Could it could could happen? Could happen. Let's go to the phones here. Let's go to the see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's go to uh, the west side, which is the best side, and talk to Richard. Richard, fire away, please. Yeah, I've been I've been a Catholic all my life. I don't agree with this as a Catholic thing. Uh, you know, if if the Catholics want all these, uh, 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 and they're, they're mostly males go, going across Europe, uh, uh, cr- uh, creating havoc. You know, uh, if they want them to come in, why don't they just inv- have it so they can invite them in their own house and pay their way? You know? Bingo, Richard. What, what, that, that's the thing is you never see all the. The people that, that think this is the greatest idea in the world to have sanctuary cities and let as many refugees from other countries and people that are not going to assimilate into our culture. They, the people that think it's the greatest idea in the world, those are the people that have never so much as talked to a refugee or had one over for dinner or had a, a family over their house. They've never once done that. It's a very idealized image that they have in their head versus the reality. That, that That's the that's the whole issue. Another thing, another thing. Uh the uh, according to some bishops, uh, several years ago, they 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 brag that they put Obama in office. I didn't vote for Obama, you know. Uh, I mean, let's 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 get real on this stuff, you know. No, uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, why, you know, these people aren't speaking for you and me and any uh, everybody else. Well, but but here's the deal, Richard. I mean, John Cranley, for instance, he is speaking. To his people, because the demographics of the city are not the way they were uh, even five or ten years ago. It is very liberal leaning. That's why I mean, Hamilton County, the city of Cincinnati, did not vote Trump. They voted majority Clinton. So he, so Cranley's looking at that. This is what this is all about. This is what no one else is talking about but me. This is all about the vote. It's all about Cranley is looking at this, saying that we got a very liberal leaning city, right? A very liberal leaning dem- demographic down here. I got a mayoral race coming up. The Richardson guy, he eh, doesn't have much name recognition. He doesn't have much of a chance. Charlie Winburn is a Republican. A Republican in the city of Cincinnati is not going to win. So who's my biggest competition? It's Yvette Simpson. She is very way to the left. So he's got to find a way to tap into some of her voting base and get some of those votes. That is what this whole deal came down to. It has nothing to do with the kindness and the generosity of his heart, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. And Cranley, as far as I'm concerned, they ought to kick him out, you know? Well, g- good luck. He's not He's not going. And Richard, we got to run, but thanks for the call. He's not going anywhere. That's why he's doing this. So he stays in there, right? I mean, do we, get, do we understand this? This is why he did this. 
Why? Why now? Why do you think? I mean, is there any coincidence that he, that, that the, the mayoral race is coming up here? He sees the other candidates on the slate. It, it's 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 you know it's like a game. It's a competition. Okay, how do I, you know, that's what debates and political races they're all about. Okay, you see your enemy, you see your opponent. Okay, how do I how do I win? How do I get more of their their eggs and from their basket into my basket? That, that's what I think this is about mostly. Let's go to the phones again. Let's go to Anderson and talk to Jason. Jason, you're on the big one. Fire away, please. Rocky, thanks for taking the call. Just, uh, I, I guess I'm a little naive. Okay, so we're, we're throwing a label of sanctuary city. How is that any different than, than how the city's been? There, there are so many undocumented aliens and, and everything else in the city now. I don't live personally in the city limits, mm-hmm. but I travel there. And I agree, you can take your wallet away from that. But how is it any different? It, I'm against. I'm against allowing any illegal in. Let them get vetted. I 100% agree with Trump and what he was doing. So cranily grabbing onto the the title, the tag, Sanctuary City. What are we accomplishing? I, 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 I think what it does is two things. First of all, it, it kind of sets in stone. So maybe if there was some. Police officers who said, "Look, man, I, I know we're you know we're not supposed to turn in and identify some of these illegals, but damn it, I, I want to do my job here. I want to make sure people are safe, and they're not going to follow that that line of thinking." I think right now, by declaring a sanctuary city, now the whole the the, the landscape, the theme is going to be: Look, if you're a police officer, you cannot notify an ICE agent about any to, to deport a violent offender. That's number one. Secondly. It's, it's again. It's, it's like a billboard. It, it's it's declaring we are a sanctuary city. So therefore, you're getting a lot more of the illegal immigrant criminals are going to move here. That, to me, that's that's the biggest difference. Well, I agree with you. Maybe last week it wasn't that much different, but I, I think it's, it kind of sets sets the precedent and, and kind of puts the the city's name in lights like that. You know what I mean? No, and I agree. You're making it look like Terry's Turf Club to the borders. To right. where you got neon lights there. Yeah, come on over here. here. Yeah, here. don't go over to Indianapolis because I'm not going to be as safe over here. Here's my better chance of, of being a criminal and getting away with it is Cincinnati. I'm going to move there. That, that's the right. danger, in my opinion. Well, I agree. I agree with everything that Trump did. He, he's, if you look, and everybody said, everybody's listening to mainstream media and, and the social media of, oh my God, look what he's doing. Well, Obama did the same thing, Bush yeah. did the same thing, and I'm a Republican, but right. it's. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details one of those that you got to protect yourself that's what it comes down to well it, it, it is and, and and you're right obama did the same thing in, in 2011 he suspended uh iraqi refugees for six months because a bunch of them were settling uh down in kentucky and he said boom we're going to put an end to this deal and he suspended for six months there was never a peep but because it's donald trump that that's the issue here exactly it has nothing to do with the policy it has nothing to do with and, and that's the insanity here jason is the people would rather put they would rather be right, and they would rather be proven right that Trump is a total bum and try to light, put his name in lights like that than have their families safe. Is that not insane? It, you can put it very simply. When you go to buy a house, you want to know who your neighbors are. 
Yes. I, I want to know who my next-door neighbors are, who lives across the street, and what they're about. Right, and then that doesn't make you a racist or a bigot. You're just like, hey, look, man, I'm going to live here, and everything else be damned. I want my family to be safe. So I want exactly. a little more information. Maybe, I want a little I'll more information. In, maybe I won't. Yeah, exactly. Jason, we got to run. Thanks for Thanks, the call. Thanks, Rocky. Yep, thank you. Let's take another one call. Let's go to Loveland and talk to Rodney. Rodney, you're on the big one. What's your topic? Fire away. Hey, Rocky. I've got a... I got a couple things I want to talk to you about. So, so the first thing is, you know, the wall. So, you know, I, I think that me being a hardworking American, um, I get five weeks of vacation a year. I'd be willing to take all five weeks, go down to Texas, and help build that wall. I have no problem donating my time and my hard work, and I think millions of Americans would be willing to do the same thing. And then the second thing, R- R- Rodney, real quick before you move on, because I think you, you made a very profound statement, and, and, and I think I agree with you. I, I think there would be a lot of people that would say, you know what? First of all, I think there would be a lot of people that said, okay, maybe maybe Mexico doesn't wind up paying for it. Fine. I think they said it's going to be like 120 bucks per citizen to, to get the money to build this wall. I think there would be a lot of people, Rodney, that would say, who, who do I make the checkout to? Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, in your, and to your so, other point, I think people, yeah, they'd say, hey, I'll, 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 I'll volunteer my time to go do that because I think it's good for the country. That's a very good point. What's your next one? I'm more than happy to. Yeah. Okay, so, so I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what Cranley, uh, Sittenfeld, uh, Chief Elliot Isaacs, or, or Sittenfeld or Flipper, whatever, that's what Tracy calls you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't matter what they say. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is Jim Neal runs the Justice Center. If they're, if they're required by federal law to, to report them, they're, come, they're all coming into, they're all being booked into the Justice Center. The Justice Center is ran by Jim Neal, the sheriff's office. He'll be the one reporting them, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. Is, is Jim Neal going to report them, or is he going to fall in line with Cranley because he knows no, that he the politics is involved? He's a Democrat. He He's got to usually they, Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. He came out this morning and said that he's going to federal. He's going to follow the law. Okay, he's going to follow. Okay, he's going to follow the 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 the, the, federal, the overriding federal law, which means you have to be able to identify these people and you have to be able to deport them, especially if if in fact they are criminals. That's what he came out and said this morning. Right, that's so a good thing. If if, if that's the I, case, I, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the best news of all. Yeah, absolutely, so, Rodney. From what I understood this morning. Okay, I'm going to have to look into that more. Rodney, thanks very much for the call. Let's take another one real quick. Let's go all the way to Georgia and talk to Scott. Scott, you're on the big one. Quickly, fire away. Hey, Rocky, I was just wondering, what does Cranley make for a year as the mayor? I don't have the answer to that. Um, I can probably, during the break, I can probably Google that. Well, I, just, I mean, seriously, he's going to invite all these terrorists, essentially, to come to our city for whatever petty salary he gets as our mayor. Absolutely ridiculous to get reelected. I'm taking my business, my house, putting it for sale. I'm taking my business elsewhere. This was crazy. Absolutely nuts. Good luck. You know what, Scott? I think a lot of people are saying that. They're probably saying, look, this is kind of the. The straw that broke the camel's back. You know, the streetcar, a lot of us thought that was total bull crap, but you know what? Okay, fine. But I, I, I wonder if this is the line in the sand, Scott. I, wonder, I really do. It's, it's unbelievable. I got three children. Why in the hell would I stay here? Uh, unreal. Good luck. Yeah, 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 and you're right, Scott. Thanks very much for the call. That, that's going to be the problem because you wonder if even with just the label and the connotation that Sanctuary City brings with it, 
are are the the you know a lot of the native Cincinnatians whose families 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 have been here for a long long time are finally going to say you know what I'm I'm taking my half million dollar condo I'm taking my million dollar uh, flat I got down here and, and and I'm moving to Indiana I'm moving to Kentucky I'm moving somewhere else because I I, I want I don't feel safe around here you wonder if that discussion happens let's take a break we'll come back with more of your calls 700 WLW. All right, we got some calls. People want to react. Let's go to them now. Let's go to Steve. Steve, what is your topic? Fire, pl- fire away, please. Steve, uh, hey, uh, I uh, listened to you earlier. You were talking about whether or not they could re- withhold funding. If I remember, they withheld the uh, highway money from the states uh, to pass the uh, seatbelt law, and I think they did the same thing with the point oh eight uh, drinking limit. And, uh, you know, that was federal money that was set aside for the highways. Uh, yeah, I think on both S- Steve, I, I think I recall that. I don't know all the ins. You know how it is, Steve. There's always like, it's like a big shell game. They move the money around. For, it's, it's all the same money, but they, they designate it as this, and they label it as that, and they kind of move it and shake it around. And so, so who knows? But but I think you're right. That's That's interesting. At least maybe some sort of precedent has been set there. Yes. You know, the, the part about uh, people that are coming to this country uh, to work uh, illegally, I don't really see them uh, saying much about leaning on the, the places that hire them, especially the, uh, the bigger places that do that. They don't really, uh, apparently they don't find them enough. Well, they, they haven't been because a lot of the, 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 you know, the restaurant owners, for instance, were, were big-time Republicans, so the po- Republican politicians, they would cower to them and didn't do anything about it. But now, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's different. Here with Trump and Steve, we got to run, but thanks for the call. Let's take another one quickly. Let's go to Cedar Park, Texas, and talk to Connie. Connie, you're on the big one. Fire away. Thank you. I grew up in northern Kentucky, and I've lived outside of Austin for about 16 years now. Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. which is a very liberal city, a sanctuary city. So is Dallas. So is Houston. And if Cincinnati becomes a sanctuary city, everybody will really regret it. Really? Because once, once it comes to you, it will not stop. So, 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 so kind of describe some of the things you have seen in Austin from, uh, from the day one when it became a sanctuary city to, to now. What, what has happened? What has well, transpired during that time? All I can tell you is there are a lot of people downtown, if you want to go there for a show or whatever, ever, people will ask you for money. Um, I won't even go down there by myself anymore, and, and certainly not at night. Um, really? So, so it's, it's a danger. It's a hazard is what you're saying. You don't feel comfortable. You don't feel safe. Right. And you're not going to take your kids, to, you know, everything's just going to go up in arms. I mean, you're, it's going to suck your city dry with the hospital services that you're going to have to wow. give people. It is really, it's a mess. That's a, that, that, that's really disappointing, Connie. Now, if, if you, do, do you feel it's like, in other words, it's a billboard? It's, it's kind of advertising, hey, if you're an illegal immigrant uh, criminal especially, come here to Austin because no one's going to talk about you, no one's going to deport you, you'll be fine here. So more come. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's right. More and more will always come. And um, and I have a lot of family that still lives in Cincinnati, and I just hate to see this happening there. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely terrible. Now, 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 down in Austin, for instance, do are, are not are a lot of the people deciding to not go down there um, because they're just like, look, I, I don't want to be harassed and be hassled my, my whole time. I'll, I'll take my money and I'll take my time and my family and we'll go somewhere else. Is that what you see happening? Yes. Yes. 
Wow, that's very interesting. I do. Connie, that's very sad. I hope it doesn't happen here to the city. But thank you very much for your call and your insight. Okay, you're welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, well, you know, it probably helps to talk to someone who's seen it and been there and and seen Cincinnati and lived here, but now seen what's happened to that sanctuary city. It's a big-time gamble, man. It's a big-time gamble. How how bad do you want to be mayor, I guess? I don't know. Let's do this. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I, I, I think we need a little pause from some of this sanctuary city and, you know, and Trump and border and immigration and all this. I think we need a bit of a pause. So I want to bring on Jim Ozarski from the Enquirer. We're going to talk a little bit of Bengals. We're going to talk a little bit of, uh, you know, he was down at the Senior Bowl this past week. Talk a little draft. Talk about all that stuff. We'll take a little bit of a moment of pause, and then we'll pick this back up on the back half of the hour. Stay right here, 700 WLW. Looking for a newer used vehicle? Browse online at tradeandpaper.com. Cincinnati's free online classifieds. Search inventories from local automobile dealers. List your own vehicles and unwanted items for free and turn them into cash. Go to tradeandpaper.com. Yes, what the rock is the Rocky Boyman Show rolls on here on 700 WLW. I thought we'd take a break from sanctuary cities and immigration bans and things like that and get a little uh, moment of brevity here and talk a little sports. And to do that, I want to bring on the Cincinnati Enquirer's own Jim Mazarski. Jim, how are you, buddy? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, talk first about the, the Senior Bowl was last week. That's, of course, you know, kind of like the, the all-star game of, of the best college talent that's out there. A lot of NFL scouts uh, and, and everything attend, the, especially the, the practices. The practices are much more important than the game itself. You were down there a couple of days last week. It's down in Mobile, Alabama. Jim, just describe what you saw during those couple of days you were down there at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, it's interesting, Rocky. It, it, you know, unlike a year ago when it was the Carson Wentz show, you know, where, where everyone was interested, even though teams not uh, really interested in quarterbacks, we're, we're really curious to see, you know, how that kind of kids from a small school could, could translate to uh, bigger competition at, at those practices. Um, this year, you know, uh, the consensus I was hearing was maybe a first-rounder or two, uh, specifically uh, Alabama tight end O.J. Howard kind of separated himself in terms of that sort of level of athlete. But a lot mm-hmm. of kind of, you know, there's talent, uh, mid-round talent, if you will. I mean, your top, for instance, the Bengals pick at number nine, that guy wasn't there. Right, so, right, uh, right. And, and even some of the top seniors, uh, like Alabama, fellow Alabama linebacker Ruben Foster, who I know a lot of Bengals fans, for instance, are excited about, uh, he chose to skip. Um, but, you know, it, honestly, it, it's sort of like what, what you see on a year-to-year basis. I hate to say that, Rocky, but you know this. Look, there's, what, 100-something new guys come in every year. And for seniors, um, you know, it's more polished, if you will. And I think for a lot of guys, uh, you know, coming from either smaller conferences like UCs, you know, AAC, or some of those smaller schools, uh, to get that sort of practice time, that practice run against Power 5 talent, that's really what the week's about, at least in my opinion. Uh, You get to kind of find out. Um, you know, some of those guys can actually play. And then, you know, some of the, like Ohio universities, uh, Charles Basham, you know, can yeah. he rush the passer against 
a tackle from USC, that type of thing. So, uh, and, and we saw some of that this week. No, you're certainly right. A lot for more some of the uh, Group of Five conference guys who were standouts. But now, how do they compare against some of the other? Power five guys. Uh, I know a couple guys that I saw had good weeks. Uh, Hanson Reddick out of Temple, uh, Cooper uh, Coop out of uh, Eastern Washington, uh, Zay Jones out of East Carolina, uh, to name a few. Um, Jim, when you were down there, obviously the Bengals coaches were down there. They're not going to tell you who they liked, but did you, did you happen to do any recon and see who they were maybe watching a little more closely out there? Yeah, I, I think. It, well, you're right though. I mean, it was funny. Mar- I, I straight up asked Marvin Lewis that in my Q and A, and he just. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details kind of looked at me and laughed. Well, at least for coaches, uh, you know, Duke Tobin and the personnel department, they're, they're heavier into it. You know, Marvin said that the coaches, it's really, they're for, it's like a fresh look. And he said, actually, that's what Duke Tobin prefers. He's like to have the coaches come in almost with no bias, if you will. Uh, because honestly, in late January, they're coming off their own self-evaluations of 2016. But to flip to your question, though, um, there are obviously needs. Look, this team might have 11 draft picks. A mm-hmm. lot of those guys, you know, maybe three fourth rounders, uh, you know, three sixth rounders. A lot of those guys, they were watching that week at, at, at in Mobile. So, um, you, you know, I, I think uh, they're trying to find some speed at receiver. Rocky, you know, a guy, you know, Tyler Boyd played really well, but I, I think they're. You know, that, that deep threat, that Marvin Jones type where mm-hmm. you can just take the top off, um, that's sort of on their radar. You know, and, and I definitely think you look at linebacker, um, you know, Vinny Ray's a nice player. Vontaze Burfitt can be a superstar, but, you know, is Nick Vigil that guy, P.J. Dawson? So I think, um, and even look at, at tackle, the, the concern, you know, there might be a tackle that gets into the first-round Rockies. I think there always is. Um, but they're going to have to look for one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and j- just to kind of give themselves a little backup. If, if Cedric O'Boy, he, Jake Fisher, or even Whitworth situation is, is up in the air. So, um, that, you know, those, those mid-round picks are, are, you know, number nine, Duke Tobin told me, he said, hey, we got to find a guy who can play. Right. Who can play in 27. Right away. I think mm-hmm. after that, yeah, I think after that, it's, it's you know, plugging some holes, filling some needs. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, my biggest thing is the Bengals need, they need speed on defense. You look at the Atlanta Falcons, a lot of young players, they got four rookies starting on the defense on the Super Bowl here this Sunday, but they're all fast. You know, uh, Keanu Neal and Devondre Campbell, the linebacker, and Deion Jones, the linebacker, all tremendous amount of speed out there. And when I look at the Bengals, especially, you know, their, their second level and their third level, there's just not a lot of, just totally dynamic athletes. You know what I mean? I have to right. imagine that that's high on the list for the Bengals this year. And it kind of just ties into that last thought there. I mean, some of the names you mentioned are either first or second year players. Right. You know, and we'll, right. let's just look at the front seven for, for Paul Gunther's defense. Like we all know it, it starts with pressure with four men up front. Um, let's, let's be honest. Michael Johnson's a nice player. They signed him a couple of years ago to kind of be that sort of other edge rusher that hasn't happened the last two years. 
Um, there's going to be some edge rushers up there, especially in, in, in yeah, the top deep, 10, deep draft for, for, uh, for rushers. Yes, it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so now you go to the next level. Now, the last two years, you know, they signed an A.J. Hawk. They signed the Carlos Dansby guys, clearly, who were in their 30s. I hope there was something left. And in both years, you know, Carlos Dansby had a nice statistical line. I don't think anybody is going to think that's the same guy from even Cleveland two years ago or, or whatever. So I, I think you're right. Nick Vigil, P.J. Dawson, a linebacker, are they, are they ready? Do you have, are they fast enough? Can they play? I, you know, so you're right, Rocky. I think while there are some unknowns currently on the roster, um, you're right. I think getting faster up front uh, is, is a priority for sure. Absolutely. Jim Ozarski from the Cincinnati Enquirer joining us. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jim Ozarski. Also, make sure you check out uh, his column in the, in the paper. Um, you, you talk to, um, uh, to Dick to- uh, Duke Tobin, uh, and I won't give the whole interview. I encourage everyone to go read it. But one of the things you talked about uh, was, was uh, A.J. McCarron and, and the future of him. Well, g- give us, uh, us an indication of how, after talking with Duke and you walk away, you kind of let it absorb a little bit. H- how do you think the whole A.J. McCarron scenario is going to play out here? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, just for, for listeners, I mean, I, I will say this. The club does not openly talk about trades. I mean, I, nobody really does, but we'll, we'll, we'll put that out there to start. But, look, AJ's looking to play. He's made no secret about that. Um, on the Bengals' side, they couldn't be happier with a guy that, you know, fell to them in the fifth round, had an arm issue, and now it's developed to a point where they have options with them. Because look, Rocky, when you sign that, when you have a starter at a hundred million dollars and you draft a quarterback, it's really to be what AJ McCarron was, right? A guy that you can turn to if needed. He can win you games. Well, now with a year left on his deal, and, and I think there's, uh, you know, with some restricted stuff, you know, you can kind of play around with his contract. And maybe it's like two years under control, but um, there's some value there. And mm-hmm. they kept Jeff Driscoll around, so they're not going to say it. AJ has said it. He'd like to move on and get a shot to start. They're in a position of strength, in my opinion, Rocky. I, you know, teams, it's a weak quarterback class. Uh, AJ McCarron's not making yes. a lot of money. He's proving he can play. I, I, I guess, really, to me, Rocky, it, it might depend on what they think of Jeff Driscoll. I mean, look, two, if you have, you know, if Andy Dalton goes down, you want to feel good about the guy who could come in and win games. They know they have it in AJ. Jeff Driscoll hasn't run the offense at all. He came in, you know, he's been practicing, uh, you know, essentially the scout team quarterback. So do they feel good enough going into camp, you know, trade AJ before the draft, or do you go into camp? Do you kind of wait for a, a Teddy Bridgewater situation, uh, which is a little risky, I guess. Um, you know, I, it, look, they hold all the cards with this one, Rocky. I don't have a great feel for what they want to do other than if someone calls them and offers them the right deal. Last year was the number one. You had to offer a first rounder, or they weren't going to have to phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, does that, did that value change this year? You know, one year less on the contract. Does, does that bring the. It's interesting, but again, you know, they hold the cards, and it's a situation where this team, look, if you want to move up even in that second round, third round, that fourth round to get one of those special type of guys early, they have the draft picks. And they have a quarterback they can do to make it happen. Well, well, you're right. It's certainly an interesting scenario because, I mean, look at look at Dallas. They're kind of dealing with, with Romo in a somewhat different right. respect, but same thing. They like Dak Prescott. He's the quarterback of the future, but they also feel, hey, we got a hell of a roster here, and if something should happen to Dak Prescott in mini camp or, or, or during early in the season, whatever, 
if we throw Tony Romo and we can win some, we can win a lot of games right. with him. Same thing with the Bengals. And something happens to Andy Dalton. As much as we want to complain about this roster, they plug a few holes in there and get a kicker. They're, they're kind right. of back in the mix, right? So yeah, it's certainly an interesting scenario. So I mean, the, the only thing I would say on it, Jim, is they certainly shouldn't give AJ McCarron away. You don't, you know, if, if the deal right. isn't there and it's not something you're like, wow, we we can't turn this down. Then then you you keep the guy and, and you let the, the future kind of handle itself. Right. And, and, you know, and, and AJ's prepared for that. You know, he obviously he's under contract and, and he knows what the deal is. Um, but you're right. And that was the thing going into this past year, Rocky. Look, this team, regardless of its finish at the, at the start of the year, talked about the Super Bowl. And that was one of the reasons AJ McCarron wasn't traded, in my opinion. First of all, you know, they didn't get the right offer, but, you know, they felt, okay, if something happens to, to QB1, Here's a guy who can who can steer the ship on this championship level team. At least what they thought was that. So you know, I, I don't think their expectations have changed all that much. Uh, honestly, Rocky, that, that's why you, you know you didn't see any changes with the coaching staff right. because they they don't they think 2016 was just kind of one of those years in football where you go whatever they were two five and one in games decided by a possession or less. I mean, you flip that it's you know, right, uh, and I know, yeah. uh, so, so they don't, they're not in a rebuild. So I think that's where this AJ thing is interesting because they don't really need another draft pick in 2017, but they might need a quarterback who can win them some games. So it's a, it's an interesting spot to be in. Very true. You're right. You know what? Why not keep the band together here and, and, you know, keep the coaches and, and, and take one more shot at this thing. Uh, Jim, uh, what, what about uh, your indication from Duke Tobin? Did you get any sort of inclining of how, the Bengals may operate in free agency this year. I think a lot of fans are hoping they'll be a little bit more active. Obviously, you build your team through the draft, but with a team that is very you know, close in a certain few aspects, you see some teams like the Patriots. They'll you know they build through the draft, but boom, they'll go get a Martellus Bennett or they'll go get uh, you know someone uh, you know that'll help them. Just boom, you fill one little gap there. Any indication from Duke how they may be in free agency? Yeah, I, you know, and I know this is a constant frustration of, of Bengals fans, Rock, and even you just said it, but I, I don't think they're going to deviate from their plan. I, I think it's Andrew Whitworth and Drake Kirkpatrick are, are priorities, and, and Kevin Zeitler is, you know, a close third, if not, you know, two-way, however you want to rank it. Um, serious considerations with Vontaze Perfect and Tyler Eifert regarding contract extensions. They both have one year left on the deal. This is the time when they usually do those things. Not saying it'll happen, but it's a consideration, which, you know, that changes the money for 2016. Um, I, you know, I, I wrote this at Cincinnati.com a few weeks ago, Rocky. I, you know, we mentioned linebacker. Clearly they feel, felt that was a hole at some point. They kept bringing these veterans in. To me, I, I, I think borrowing from the New England playbook where you, you get a, a fourth-year veteran uh, or fifth-year veteran who's 27, played in the league, mm-hmm. For you know, you pay Carlos Stanley two and a half million dollars. Right, that's gonna, right. That's going to get you a twenty-seven-year-old linebacker with twenty starts under his belt. He's got some more mileage, at least. Right. <laughs> you know, you know that the, the cliff isn't coming physically. So, you know, I, I get what they want to do, what they like to do. But you're right, Rocky. I think the last couple of years that hasn't worked. So in spots like that, uh, you know, maybe as a backup safety or as a at linebacker, um, if there's some injury. 
You know, Vontaze Burfecht, for as good as he is, he's missed almost as many games as Tyler yeah. Eifert. Yeah, you're right. So, so why not sign a 27-year-old linebacker for, uh, you know, $2.5 million and see if you get that contract year, that one-year prove-it sort of bump. Um, to me, that's not out of, that's not out of reason, but, but again, right. this is, they like to do what they do, and, and, and honestly, <laughs> they're starting with their guys first. That's kind of how it always is. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Jim Ozarski from the Enquirer with us. Jim, last question before I let you go, and this is the big question. This is what everyone wants to know, Jim. When does your first mock draft come out? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is. Oh or did it already God. come out and I missed it? Did it come out no, uh, in no, 20, 2015? Your your two twenty seventeen mock draft did it come out in twenty sixteen? I think James Rapines did. Oh my God, no, we we definitely don't do that. <laughs> Paul Dater Jr. and I, we wait until we get closer to the combine where you kind of have an idea. Of wait, declared who's healthy? <laughs> so you gotta wait a little longer. We're gonna tease you just after the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, I, I I I see exactly where you're coming from, but but there's gonna be a lot of people upset that you don't have one out right now, or that you're not on your third one by now. Uh, Jim, oh, I know, right? Yeah. Jim, we got to go, buddy, but thanks very much for your time. We'll talk soon, okay? Hey, anytime. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, Jim Ozarski with the NCAR with us. So let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more 700 WLW. The show rolls on here on 700 WLW. So the Trumpster has made his pick. His SCOTUS pick is going to be Neil Gorsuch, 49 years old from Colorado, and um, by all accounts, a, a, a clone, an Antonin Scalia clone. Joining us right now on the program is Dr. Jeff Sakenga. He's a political science professor at Ashland University. Dr. Sakenga, how are you? Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So so give us uh, your uh, knowledge of, of, of Neil Gorsuch. Tell me what kind of guy this is. Tell the American people what they can expect from Neil Gorsuch. Uh, extremely well qualified, as you were mentioning before, Columbia undergrad, Harvard Law, doctor, uh, doctorate from Oxford University, studied under famous scholars there, came back, uh, spent about 10 years in private practice, then worked for a few years for George W. Bush, got nominated to the Tenth Circuit, I think in 2006, been on there 10 years, um, doing really good work on the bench. So now I've been heard to discuss so far that he is an Antonin Scalia clone okay which which means very conservative which as i said earlier uh conservative minded people in this country are very very happy about liberal minded people are, are not so much so so what makes him i i guess if i'm thinking back uh, doctor to what i learned in like the third grade of what a supreme court justice is supposed to do i remember the teacher okay mrs coney she told me a supreme court justice they interpret the constitution right it's not they don't make up laws they don't legislate they're supposed to judge and interpret the constitution so how is how do you see his role in, in that sort of in, in that sort of um, you know platform there yeah he's going to be a judge's judge he's going to decide cases according to the law as it is he's got that record already on the 10th circuit he's not going to legislate from the bench and he's going to follow justice scalia's example in paying close attention to the text and letter of the law in the Constitution, and to how it was originally understood at the time of the founding. Okay, so by that you mean he, he doesn't look at it as a, quote, living document, right? The Sonia Sotomayors of the world and Lena Kagan's, they say, oh, it's a living document, and it's meant to just kind of morph and change and basically morph into whatever we happen to feel at this particular moment. You're saying that this guy is going to say, look, the country was founded on these sort of principles, and we're going to judge them based on that. You bet. He's going to leave it to the people and their representatives to make the changes that they think need to be changed, 
to the Constitution, and he's not going to be a judge who makes that change for people and thinks he knows better than them. Okay, so so now the, the next thing, Doctor, is is obviously you know the Democrats are going to try to do everything possible to to throw a monkey in this uh, throw a monkey wrench in this entire system, right? They're looking at what happened with uh, Merrick Garland, how the Republicans stalled for basically nine months and didn't appoint him, and they're going to say payback is a you-know-what, right? They're going to try to gum up the system here. So what methods are they going to try to use, Doctor? How are they going to try to make this as miserable as possible in all of us? <laughs> well, first of all, the judge, as he said tonight, is going to go around and meet individually with each of the senators. And I tell you what, I think, as, as you said, he's going to come off really well to each of those senators, and he's going to start building some personal uh, connections with them. It's going to be hard for them to oppose him really, really harshly when it comes to the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is where this starts, and then goes from there to the full Senate. They'll have to do it, but I think he'll pull off some uh, Democratic senators who like the guy and will find that he's really not outside the judicial mainstream. Now, now wait a minute. Now, you're telling me that they're actually going to judge the guy on his qualifications and not party lines there's no way no way jeff that really you think they'll do that i think a few senators will and look some of those are senators who are up for re-election ah, now that now that makes a little more sense there's what upwards of uh, they need what 10 democrats explain that process doctor because i believe yeah. now what they need they're going to filibuster and then so the republicans would need uh, i guess 60 votes to stop the filibuster they only have 53 so they would need what seven democratic votes to order to push this through. Do, do I have that correct? That's right. They need 60 votes to break the filibuster. They've got 52 Republicans right now. 52. So they need eight votes. There's at least five uh, senators from red states that are Democratic senators that are up for re-election in 2018. Uh, if he makes a good impression on them personally, he can get them and uh, people like Joe Manchin in West yes. Virginia and others. And then he can peel off a few more, I think, um, from purple states, Democrats that are up for your election in 18. And he's not going to give them much to get their hooks into in the hearings to make him look bad and give them a reason to vote against him. They're going to look like it's just a partisan vote. That's not going to stop them all, but that'll stop some of them. He'll be confirmed. So, okay, so, so you're predicting right now on the show that this is not going to be a long, drawn-out process. There will be some Democrats that'll, that'll come over to the, to, you know, and, and I guess even whether it's party lines or they just happen to like the guy, they'll come over and this won't be, uh, I, I guess, how long will, do you think this process is, is going to take? When's this guy going to be confirmed and we can move on with life? Uh, it'll be before the beginning of the summer. So I'll say three months. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Look, Mitch McConnell has said that if, if it starts looking like there might be a filibuster they can't break, they can always, the Republicans invoke the nuclear option, as it's called, and nuke the filibuster for Supreme Court nominations. And that just requires a simple majority vote to change the rules and then a simple majority vote to confirm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Explain the nuclear option, because I don't think, I, I know I certainly don't understand all the ins and outs. Explain what that nuclear option that McConnell could use is. Sure. Right now, the, the Senate uh, allows a filibuster by senators, right? So mm -hmm. to stop a filibuster, you have to have 60 votes. But that's not in the Constitution, and that's not in the laws. That's just in the rules of the Senate. Those rules can be changed simply by a majority vote of the Senate itself. So only 51 senators could vote to change the rules of the Senate to allow 
a straight-up majority up-or-down vote on a guy like Gorsuch. That's not the way it is right now, but they could change the rules if it looks like the Democrats will be successful in filibuster. I personally don't think it's going to come to that. Really? Now, now wh- wh- why would well, – is that considered controversial or, or like something that's never been done before if they go with this, quote, nuclear option? Well, the Democrats under Harry Reid uh, used the nuclear option and got rid of the filibuster for all lower court justices, judges, so circuit courts and federal district courts, and for cabinet nominees under President Obama. So they did that, but they reserved the filibuster for the Supreme Court. Now the Republicans could just put the final nail in the filibuster coffin if they really had to and kill it for the Supreme Court nominees, too. But like I said, I don't think Mitch McConnell wants to do that because he respects the institution of the Senate, and the filibuster's been around ever since Mr. Smith went to Washington and before. <laughs> so it's been around a long time. It's a venerated part of the Senate. I don't think he wants to kill it, but I think he will kill it if he has to in order to get this guy through. Very good. Uh, Dr. Jeff Sakanga joining us on the program. He's a political science professor at Ashland uh, U- University. Um, you know they're going to try to ruin this guy's life, right? They're, I mean, that's what they do in politics. They try to go – they'll find some – you know, in his eighth grade year at such and such middle school, he pushed some girl down the stairs. And, and you, you know what I'm saying, right? They're going to go – they're going to comb through every possible sneaky, lying, dirty, underhanded thing they could possibly do to, to try to smear and ruin this guy's life. Is there anything in your knowledge uh, that they could really try to hone in on and try to make an attack on? You know, you never know, but so he looks pretty squeaky clean so far. What I know about him, he spent his childhood out in Colorado. He had a lot of chances to go places in the world because he was so successful. He returned back to Colorado to raise his family. He's the kind of guy who he actually keeps a horse in the barn at his house out there. So he's kind of uh, an outdoors person. I like a horse. He guy, works yeah. in blue. No, no, and he works in blue collar jobs. He was a front desk clerk at a Howard Johnson Hotel. So the guy knows what it is to work. He was a paper boy as a kid. So you never know what's there, but, boy, so far, he looks like a guy who's got a pretty squeaky clean past. Just like, like Captain America, man, just just like I, I saw when I when I first, when the first guy first walked out there. Um, Jeff, so now, uh, you know, the big issues, obviously, everyone looks at are, are the social issues, abortion, uh, guns, uh, gay rights, religion. I mean, how is he going to uh, – let's take abortion, for instance. That's always, that's always a big deal with everybody. How, how is he – how does he lean on, on, on the, uh, the abortion social issue? Well, he wrote a, he's never ruled directly on an abortion case, so we don't know that. He's never made any public comments about Roe versus Wade, the abortion decision. But he wrote a book back in 2009 about assist, uh, physician-assisted suicide, and he came out pretty strongly against it. And in, in that book, he wrote that um, life has an intrinsic value that should always be respected and protected. So I think if you take that statement and apply it to the abortion case, yeah. I think he's going to lean toward the pro-life position. Okay, that's good. So check that box. What about guns? Doctor, how, how's he going to be on guns, protecting the Second Amendment and, and, and all that? haven't had any big controversial cases out of the circuit court out there, but I will tell you that he's been pro-liberty. Um, a lot, and I think he includes, he follows Justice Scalia in including the Second Amendment freedoms as part of a person's liberty. So I think he'll probably come down uh, on the side of the Second Amendment as a personal right. I'm not sure where he'll come out on all regulations of it, Mm -hmm. um, as we're seeing some of those cases, 
but he'll stand, stand pretty hard and firm on the idea that it's a person's individual right to own a gun. Okay, check that box. Now, now what about gay rights? I think by now here in 2017, m- most of America, including myself, is, is, is fine with gay marriage and, and all that. I mean, I, think, no, I, don't, I don't feel like that's even hardly an issue anymore. Is that something he's going to be, uh, is he going to rock the boat on that, or is he going to kind of go with, with everything's okay and fine with that? Well, I, I think he'll follow precedent on that, so he'll abide by what the Supreme Court has already decided. He's been a pretty strong uh, adherent to precedent. He believes in it, that you shouldn't rock the boat if you don't need to. And, um, look, he's just replacing Justice Scalia, so that, that's only replacing the fourth vote. He wouldn't be a fifth vote to overturn the gay marriage decision from a couple of years ago anyways. Right, So right. I think his decisions on that are not going to be that important. What I will say on the gay rights issue is he is, though, a very strong believer in religious liberty and religious freedom. So he sided with Hobby Lobby in their case, so they couldn't be forced by Obamacare to provide um, uh, abortion uh, drugs to people on their health care plan. He sided with them. So I think you'll see that he takes religious freedom very seriously. And if gay rights and religious freedom collide, It'll be interesting to see how he comes down. So, so just by you saying that, though, Doctor, I feel like I feel coming one of those, do I have to bake a cake for a gay couple sort of issues coming up? Am I going to have to talk about that on the radio, for God's sake? Or is, is this going to be one of those issues that, that they're going to try to drum, drum up a, a big uh, hoop rag against? I hate to tell you, but it's coming. No <laughs> doubt about it. I appreciate your honesty. I'll, I'll make sure I get ready for, for the, the, the calls to ring off the hook on that one. Uh, Doc, you've been great with your time. Uh, last question before I let you go. Uh, now, okay, he is, is obviously 49. He's going to be on the bench for a, a good 30 years, as I said, to start the program. Uh, if we're looking at who, who's the next one to maybe uh, leave or who's the next one, you know, does, does Donald Trump maybe get to appoint a second justice? You look down the line. Uh, Lena Kagan is 56. She's not going anywhere. Robert, 62. Nowhere. Alito, 66. Sotomayor, 62. They're going nowhere. Uh, Breyer, 78. Uh, Thomas is 68 years old. He's not going anywhere. Now, Ginsburg is 83. I mean, she is falling asleep at at the Senate committee or at the committee meetings, for God's sake. Do you think she tries to hang on? Do you think the Democrats pump her with steroids and other drugs to try to keep her going, doctor, to make sure she doesn't (laughs) leave another vacancy for another conservative justice on the bench? Well, if they're praying, people, they're praying for her to hang on. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, man, you know, that's, that's going to be interesting to see it very much. Uh, Dr. Look, we appreciate your time. This has been fantastic information, and we'll talk soon, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. That was Dr. Jeff Sakenga, political science professor at Ashland University. We will take a break. We will come back with more 700 WLW. All right, folks, it's been a pleasure. I will be back. uh, I will be back tomorrow. There's a UC basketball game, so I will not be in, but I will be back on Thursday and Friday. I'm going to try to get uh, Luke Fickle to join me to talk about National Signing Day, which is tomorrow. Lots of good uh, football players across the country signing letters of intent. That's pretty cool. But uh, either way, nevertheless, we will have a big show come Thursday. I want to thank my producer, Brad Steen. But right now it's time for America's Trucking Network with Steve Summers. Have a good night. 700. WLW. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.